Good morning again to everyone. We welcome you today, all our regulars, our special guests, and those who might be watching uh, online. Uh, we welcome you today. We want to encourage you in the Lord. So glad you've joined us today. How does God respond when people doubt his power and that he cares for them, that he's attentive to them, that he will keep his promises? There are several times in the scriptures as I was thinking about that this week. How does God respond to, to me when I have a lack of faith? Jesus admonished his disciples many times. Uh, Jesus was sleeping in the boat, and there was a great storm that came on the Sea of Galilee, and, and the disciples shook him and said, don't you care? We're going to drown. And Jesus calmed the sea with a word, and then he turned to his disciples and said, why are you afraid, O oh, you of little faith? Peter, Lord, if it's you, Asked me to step out of the boat onto the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter steps out in the water and then he takes his eyes off Jesus and starts to sink. And, and Jesus rescues him. And then he looks at Peter. And what does he say? Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Ouch. <laughs> I thought Peter did pretty good stepping out of the boat. How about you? <laughs> Two disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus after Jesus' resurrection on, on Easter Sunday, that first Sunday uh, after Jesus' resurrection. And, and they were doubting that Jesus was the Christ and Jesus appeared to them and he said to them as he was walking with them, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Again, a little admonishment there. One last time I was thinking of uh, in Mark chapter 9, Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. He had just been transfigured in front of them. They'd seen uh, a little bit of his glory, and the other disciples had failed to cast out a demon. A man had brought a son to them, and Jesus had a, had a conversation with that father, and we pick up and Mark 9, verse 21, and Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. The demon has cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. What a picture of us. <laughs> Lord, I believe, but <laughs> help my unbelief because I doubt so often. So the question, again, we want to ask ourselves today is, and this, as we encounter our unexpected God and how he deals with us, do you ever worry that God's not going to help you until you somehow bolster up your faith? Do you ever wonder if your faith needs to be a little more robust before God's going to listen to your cry and pay attention to you and your needs? Have you ever doubted that God really cared about you? Well, the story of Gideon helps us. Helps us see how God responds to us when, uh, 
when we doubt him and how patient God is, how his heart is really for his people who look to him, even when our faith wavers. So, so let's take a look at Gideon's life today and just consider this question together. Paul read verses 11 through 24. I want to take a quick look and just review verses 1 through, through 10. Here's the situation. The people of Israel in verse 1 of chapter 6 of Judges, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. The New International Version says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and this is the case. Maybe you're familiar with the, the Judges, the story of Judges. Seven times Israel disobeyed God and went astray, and seven times God rescued them through a judge. This is the fourth time this has happened, so there's a history here. And we see on display here in this chapter the story of Gideon and other stories in the book of Judges, but here in the story of Gideon, God's, we get first, a firsthand display of God's patient, enduring love for the people of Israel. And it's a picture of God dealing with us. They had been obeyed God, and then they went astray, and God delivered them. And just before this, the judge Deborah, that heroine, <laughs> rescued the Israelites, and for 40 years they lived in peace, but then they went astray again. They disobeyed. They started to worship idols and, and, and disregard God's commandments, and God turned them over just as he promised. Let me read a few verses from Deuteronomy chapter 28. God kept his word. He blessed them when they trusted in him, when they depended on him, when they sinned and, and turned to him in faith. But when they disobeyed the Lord and did not turn to the Lord or confess their sins, Lord, the Lord did what he said. The Lord said in verse 20, he says, I will send curses on you, curses of confusion and frustration and, and all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of your evil deeds. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever and inflammation and fiery heat and with drought and with blight and with mildew. They will pursue you until you perish. And the heavens over your head shall be as bronze and the earth under you shall be as iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder from heaven. Dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before you. And you shall be a whore to the kingdoms of the earth. That's really bad news. And this is what's happening here. Israel's brought low. Midian put them under servitude for seven years. It's bad times. They had to live in caves. When you are living in caves because of your enemies plundering you, it's bad times. The Midianites and the Amalekites had bullied them, and there wasn't any hope of prosperity <laughs> or peace. And it was the northern tribes that were experiencing this retribution by the Lord and they were hanging on by the thread. This wasn't the way life was supposed to be in the promised land. This wasn't the way life was supposed to be if the Lord Jehovah is your God. But God graciously sends a prophet and we read that in verse 10. 
or excuse me, in verse seven, when the people of the Lord cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel and he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery and I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I'm the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell but you have not obeyed my voice. So this is what's the background to the story now of Gideon. And in verse 11, it says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah. So the Lord graciously heard their cries for mercy, even though they had disobeyed. How does God respond to his people? We happen to be living in the United States of America. What a blessed land we are. But we don't have a covenant or a promise from God like the people of Israel. But it would do well for us as a nation and all the nations of the world to learn from the Hebrew people. When you humble yourselves before the Lord, the creator of everything on heaven and earth, you will find blessing. There will be a sense of peace. But when we disobey his holy character or disregard his good commands, it always has, it always will, it always does come down to it that the world will be led to confusion, to turmoil, to unrest, and to frustration. When a person or a people group turns to the Lord humbly in belief and faith, and they receive God's mercy and hope by faith, God will help them walk on this earth. Doesn't mean life will be trouble free, but God will be with us. We need not fear anything. In this world, Jesus told us, we're gonna have trouble, but with God, we never face trouble without him. The grave can't hold us. Death only leads to life. And God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be present with us, then to die for our sins so that by faith in him, death and forgiveness are given to us. Death, faith in his death, excuse me, gives us forgiveness. We give, we're given new life. We're given the right to go to heaven and we now have power to pursue God in a new way because of his life living in us. So Lord, how can we live more victoriously? By humbly believing in you, by turning to you. And we see this happening in this Old Testament story with Gideon. What does God see and what do we see? Well, look at verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Well, what do we see? We see a man hiding in a hole, threshing his wheat. Now, most of you know that when you thresh wheat, you, you pound it, then you throw it up in the air so that the light stuff, the chaff, blows away in the breeze and the heavier wheat or grain drops down into a nice pile. You do that up on a hill where there's a breeze, but Gideon's in a wine press. In other words, he's in a hole in the ground. It's not the best place 
to thresh wheat, throwing it up into the air out of a hole in the ground and hoping the wind catches some of the chaff and some of the wheat will fall back down on top of you, I guess, in the hole. But why was he doing that? Because the enemies would come and take his wheat if they saw him or his grain if they saw him doing that. So he's hiding in a hole in the ground. You get the idea. And the Lord sees him and calls him a brave warrior. What I see is a man hiding who's very much afraid. But maybe not foolish, because he knows what's going on with the Midianites. If they knew he was threshing wheat, they would come and take it. So on the surface, Gideon doesn't appear to be mighty, but what does God see? God sees a man who's mightier than he knows. Why is he mightier than he knows? Because the Lord is with him. And Gideon does have some spiritual awareness. Note that he says, he asks a really good question, Paul. You pointed that out. Lord, why is all this happening to us? You've forsaken us. Supposedly, we're in your promised land. We're your people. What is going on? Gideon believed in the past deliverance. Lord, did you not bring us up out of Egypt? Our fathers told us about our, our relatives. The older people have told us how, of your great deliverance. Why aren't you doing that now? Really good questions. Lord, if you're with us, why are we being oppressed? He believed in God's past deliverance, but he was aware that Israel was forsaken. So he was spiritually astute enough to know that something was not right. If God feels far away, the saying goes, guess who moved? It wasn't God. It's me, or you and me, or us, who've moved away from God and put distance between us. But he's always right here, near us, ready to deliver us, to help us if we trust in him, if we return to him. The Lord is always with his people. Blessing them or correcting them, chastising them. We call it discipline because he loves us. He corrects us and draws us back to himself. So we see a man who looks afraid, but God sees a man who's a man of valor because God is with him. And this man has faith in this God, even though it might be small faith. He's spiritually aware that something's not right and God's calling him to it. Don't you love Gideon's excuses? We've heard it before from Moses. Go in his might, the Lord said in verse 14. Do not, do not I send you? And Gideon says, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. When God is with us and appoints us to a task, we can accomplish it because he's with us and faith in him gives us the victory. You may not have noted it, but three times the Lord reminds Gideon in this passage, once in verse 12, the Lord is with you. O mighty man of valor in verse 14, go in this might that you have because do not I send you? I am with you, Gideon, the second time. Verse 16, but I will be with you. You shall strike the Midianites as one man. In other words, 
There may be lots and lots of them, but there'll only be as one person to you, Gideon, because what? I, the Lord says, am with you. I'm calling you to do this so you can do it. So what are the implications for you and me? Pretty obvious, isn't it? Little reminders that God gives us about himself. I need to constantly be reminded that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of power that are dark and more powerful than us, than me as a human being in myself. We battle against Satan's devious schemes and they are devious and they are schemes that are wise because he knows the human. He's been studying us for centuries. Our own flesh is weak, so we battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We battle against our own flesh because we get tired out. We get taken astray by our own passions that maybe aren't good passions or good passions that overcome us and be turned into bad passions. And the world's influence is constantly bombarding us, always talking to us, always tempting us. Have you noticed the car advertisements? They don't tell you anything about the car. They just make you look like, wow, those people have fun. They must be rich. They're really classy. I wish I looked like that. If I had that car, it's all about feelings, but it's not about substance. But the world's always trying to pull us in to go astray from God and trust in it. But the Lord is with us. Jesus is with us. He said, all authority is given to me, so go and make disciples of all nations, because you can, because why? Behold, I am with you always. In John, he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. So God, the Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, God the Father is with us if we believe in Christ. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and he will come to him and we will make our home with him. John 14, 23. God is with us. He takes residence in us. And wow, followers of Jesus Christ, this is quite the truth. God living in us by faith. This is truly Emmanuel, God with us. And he names me and you as his child, as his friends, as his beloved ones, as people of faith, of daughters of valor, of sons who are wise. What a confident booster. And it's all because, not of who we are, but because of who the God is that we believe in, who lives in us, the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he's done for us. The Lord graciously then, point three, strengthens his people. So here, Gideon, 
He understands that the people are being oppressed because they've gone astray. The Lord comes to Gideon and says, you're a valiant warrior because I am with you. Go and deliver your people. You can do this, Gideon, because I am with you. I am graciously with you. I've remembered my promise to my people. I will do as I've said. I'm calling you to lead your people and deliver them. I will be with you. But Gideon doubts. Look at verses 19. So Gideon went into his house and he prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes of ephahs. He's doing a hospitality dinner here. He doesn't know yet, I don't believe, that this is the Lord himself. Was it a messenger of the Lord? Was it an angel? I don't think he knew that quite yet. But it was really the Lord Jesus Christ in a pre-incarnate, a theophany we call it, form because he accepted his sacrifice for, as worship, and only God does that. A holy angel would never do that. So this is the Lord himself. The, the angel gave him a pep talk. Gideon comes to bring this dinner to him, and the angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the eleven cakes and put them on the rock, and Gideon did that, and the angel touched it with his rod and, the, and a flame Burn it all up, meaning that the Lord graciously accepted his offering. And that was giving Gideon assurance that he could do what the Lord was asking him. Then there's an interesting thing that happens. The angel of the Lord, or excuse me, after the the angel of the Lord took the sacrifice, Gideon's afraid for his life. I've seen the Lord face to face. Look at verses 23 and 24. But the Lord said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. Blessing and peace, not death, if we come to the Lord in faith. The Lord is peace. Would you take a moment right now, either whisper it to yourself or speak to a friend or your spouse that's near you and just tell them the Lord is. The Lord is peace. Or maybe like Hagar, the Lord sees me. And I know that's true. Or like Abraham, the Lord will provide. What is God to you? Tell somebody what he is to you. Are you afraid? Who is the Lord for you? He's a strong tower. He's your friend. He's your companion. Whisper to yourself or speak to someone. Who is the Lord to you this morning? The Lord is my... Go ahead. Make some noise. The Lord is our peace. He brings blessing and hope and encouragement. When we humbly recognize who he is and worship him, we understand that he pours out blessing in our lives. And our courage can grow. 
That night, it says in verse 25, that night the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold there with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it at night. You see, Gideon heard the Lord's voice, like, go and deliver my people. And he had this assurance that God was pleased with him and was going to be with him. So there's this change of heart. A man who was afraid to do anything, who am I? Don't send me. Send somebody else to do it, is now doing what the Lord says. But he did it at night. Well, that's okay, because he was, it was really true. The people were going to get mad at him. His own father was a worshiper of Baal, an idol, a false god. And he's going to cut down that pole and use that wood to burn a bull and sacrifice to the Lord. And people were going to get upset with him. And if we read a little bit later on in verse 28, when the men of the town rose early in the morning and behold, the altar of Baal was broken down and the asterisk beside it was cut down and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, who has done this thing? And they found out it was Gideon. And in verse 30, it says, Then the men of the town said to Joash, that's Gideon's dad, Bring out your son that he may die, for he's broken down the altar of Baal. So Gideon was smart in doing it at night. He was afraid, but yet he followed through. His fear was not unfounded, but he dared to do what God asked him to do. And God took care of him. By the way, seven-year-old bull. That was a valuable commodity because the Midianites would steal all their oxen. So this one had been hidden for seven years and they still had it. <laughs> but Gideon offered it to the Lord as a sacrifice to say, I trust in you. You will take care of me. I will follow you and do what you say. That takes a lot of courage to give up something that you've been keeping for yourself because it's valuable. But he gave it to the Lord. What's God promised to you if you sacrifice now? Eternal fruit. If we serve the Lord faithfully now, sacrifice things that are precious to us for his sake. He promises that it will bear eternal fruit. Eternal fruit is people. That will know the Lord and come to faith and, and live forever. Eternal fruit is the never ending glory that God will get. God the Father, Son and Spirit for the great salvation. Gideon gets unexpected support. God is gracious and his dad steps up and says, if Baal's a true God, then he'll take care of himself. You don't need to help him. If Baal's a real God, he'll get Gideon. So there's this test going on. Who's the real God, Jehovah or Baal? Kind of like an early Elijah situation. <laughs> God takes care of his people. Will you dare, will I dare, 
to take the Lord Jesus Christ at his word. And act on his call into your life, whatever that is. To love, to care, to share, to be kind, to treat others the way you want to be treated, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do you say about that this morning? What do we say about that this morning together in ministry? What will we do because we know God is with us, that the risen Savior commands us to do? Will we test his word and obey and follow? Little steps like Gideon did. He cut down the altar. He did it at night, but he took that step. What can we do? God is merciful and doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. But he graciously encourages us. He helps us along. He supports us. But what happens when our faith is weak? So God calls Gideon. In verse 33 it says, Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and they encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Don't miss that. God's power came on Gideon. His powerful presence was there. And Gideon called all the northern tribes. They were the tribes around the Sea of Galilee to the north and east and west of that sea. You'll have to look in their Bible map somewhere. I don't have time to show you that today. And they all got together and they were going to fight the Lord against the Lord's enemies. And he sent messengers throughout and they came together. But look at verse 36. And then Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Wow. Behold, I'm laying out a fleece. <laughs> let the fleece be dewy. Let the ground be dry. The ground be dry. And it happened. But then Gideon said, Lord, don't get mad at me, but I'm still doubting. <laughs> I still need another sign. I still need a little more strength. So let the fleece be soaked. Or excuse me. <laughs> Let the fleece be dry the second time and the dew covering the ground. And what did God do? He graciously answered that request. You know what? I take great comfort in the Lord's response to Gideon's doubts. How about you? That he doesn't give up on us even when we doubt him. Joshua. That great leader needed again and again to be reminded that God was with him just like he was with Moses because he needed that bolstering just like you and I need that from one another, from God. I take comfort in that. Of Abraham, that great man of faith. Remember when Lot separated and took the good ground in the, in the valley? God came to Abraham right after that and said, Abraham, don't worry. Climb up on this hill and take a look around. All this land you see is yours, just as I promised. He needed reassurance. When Abraham was doubting that a great nation would come from him through his son, he was doubting it. God said, get out of your tent, Abraham, and take a look at the stars in the sky. Can you count them? No. That's the number of your descendants. Just trust me. He needed that reassurance. So we need to hear God's promises and be strengthened again 
and again. Don't be ashamed. Just admit that we're weak, that we'd rather not do it, that we'd rather have God send somebody else. (laughs) It's vital that we read the words of God regularly to ourselves. It's important that we get together and talk about it and hear it and discuss it with others to hear the promises, to help one another believe the promises, and then to take action on the promises and to dare step out in faith and see how God will work through us when we take those steps of faith. This is a Sunday for old hymns. As a kid, a song that impressed me as a young boy, I don't know how young, I don't know how old I was, but I just remember it. I want it sung at my funeral. He leadeth me. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught or filled. Whatever I do, where'er I be, still is my God's hand that leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done, when by his grace the victory's won, even death's cold wave I will not flee, since God through Jordan leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me by his own hand. He leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Do you know the joy and the comfort of God's hand leading you, you can by faith, by entrusting yourself to him, by recommitting yourself to the God who knows you and loves you and died for you and has rescued you from sin's penalty of death. We need not doubt him. As I read God's dealings with people in the Old Testament and the New Testament, (laughs) what do we discover about who our God is? And how he deals with us when we doubt him. And when he reassures us, but then we still doubt him or or are not sure he can be trusted. How does he respond to us? Again and again, I tell you the answer. He exhorts us. He admonishes us. He, He says, oh, you of little faith. When we ask, how can I do what you're asking me, Lord? How, Lord, how can I? God deals with us with our weak faith very patiently. He comes near us and he strengthens us. He he brings people along. He brings uh, his word to us through the spirit of God. Oh, you of little faith, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me? You foolish and slow of heart to believe the prophets. But then what did he do after he admonished He healed, he rescued, he clarified what God wanted them to do. He does that for you and me. And I hope you leave here today with a little more confidence as you think about Gideon's story. Reread it to yourself today, tonight. And think about how God reassured him that that God will supply all we need to follow him when our faith is weak. He carries us again and again. Dare I ask, Lord, I believe. 
help my unbelief? He will. He's happy to answer that prayer, and he'll be happy to help you take those daring steps that he's asking you to do. Let's pray. Father in God, you are a great God, and we are so weak. You are strong. Renew our strength today, Holy Spirit. Remind us how great our God is, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he will never leave us or forsake us. Remind us how faithful you are to your promises. Remind us how unfailing your word is to those who trust in you, who look to you for rescue. You will do it. Lord, give us wings to strengthen us so we don't grow tired and weary. Lord, you are our rock, our mighty fortress. You are our friend. Thank you. We ask you to strengthen us in the name of Christ. Amen.